Hello, and welcome to the More Than Moves podcast, where we explore all the different things that we can do together as an elders quorum beyond helping people move. Today, I'm sitting down with Vaughn Packard, and many of you know Vaughn uh, from the ward. He's been in our ward for a long time now, and I've had lots of conversations with him over the years, but never really had a chance to dive into his interests, and so excited to do that today with Vaughn. Uh, but Vaughn, not everyone in the ward knows you. We have folks who have moved into our ward recently and other people who may know of you, but maybe not know you very well personally. Uh, maybe you can just give us a, a little bit of background about yourself. Okay, happy to do so. Um, I was born in Boise, Idaho, of all places. Um, I have three brothers. I have an identical twin brother. So uh, uh, he and I have to be friendly to everyone. Anyone who thinks they know us, we have to know them and treat them as though they're our friend, even though they may be the brother's friend. Otherwise, the brother starts to lose their friends. <laughs> so that's been a standard practice since we were young kids. Um, uh, I've been married for 40, ooh, let's see here, 43, 44 years almost. And um, we have three children and we have 10 grandchildren. And... Uh, they say being a grandparent is fun, but it's 10 times better than they say. And so we really enjoy that. Uh, um, we have a daughter who lives in San Ramon with three children. We have a daughter who lives here in Los Altos, just a quarter of a mile away with three children. And we have our son who lives in Utah with four children. And so we get to see them fairly often. And we've been in the ward at this same home since 1980. I think it is, since 1985. Um, uh, my wife was the Relief Society president for six years. She knows the sisters very well. She's very friendly, very outgoing. Uh, she loves them and they seem to love her. And uh, um, uh, spontaneity is one of her uh, talents. Uh, and uh, she's very good at working with people in teams. We served a mission down in Chile together. Uh, she'd been a missionary as a young lady in uh, uh, Peru for uh, two years, and I'd been in Argentina, came back and served in the Spanish ward here for uh, uh, four and a half years, and then was later called to go down to Chile where our children learned Spanish for three years, 93 to 96, and then uh, uh, came back and was asked to restart the Spanish group again. That was another four years, so it was almost nine years. So that's some background. I've been an attorney for almost 45 years, retired as an attorney. Now I do residential real estate with my daughter, Amy. And uh, as we were preparing for this uh, interview the other day, you had mentioned that your brother had given you the nickname, the Hobby Man, which I loved. Tell us a little bit about how you earned that nickname. I've always had interest in lots of things. Uh, uh, if someone has a hobby and they're telling me about it, I want to learn about it. Uh, and so uh, I think that spawned this desire to have lots of hobbies and, uh, and get into them. And sometimes I don't have as much time for them as I wish I did. But uh, some of the hobbies that I've gotten involved in are rocks and gems. Um, as a kid, uh, my twin brother and I collected rocks agate and jade and jasper and all these different colored stones. Um, 
maybe like you and many others who played marbles. And we had uh, uh, what we called clearies or crystal marbles that were uh, uh, pretty colors and so forth. I was always fascinated with colors. And so uh, when the time came that I could uh, get into gemstones and how they were faceted and uh, the colors, uh, the purple for amethyst, the red for garnet, the green for emeralds, and so forth, so forth, and so forth, and then even get a machine to do the faceting. Uh, I uh, hired a guy who taught me how to facet and enjoyed doing that a great deal. And, and then when we were in Chile uh, and our son came back, I sent him to the same teacher and he learned how to facet and brought the equipment back down with him and we fasted gemstones together. So that's been a, a, a hobby that I just love. Um, other hobbies are travel. My wife loves to travel. Uh, and so uh, before we get back from one trip, she's already planning another. So we've gone to so many different countries, Vietnam, Thailand, uh, Myanmar, which used to be called Burma, Australia, New Zealand, on and on and on and on. And uh, we love meeting people from different cultures, um, their traditions, their food, their folk music, their dance. We love all that stuff. And, uh, and so we, we incorporate that as part of our traveling. Um, and always gets us into one or more good cooking classes where she learns how to cook. Uh, she watches all these cooking movies on uh, on TV, and uh, but she gets into it as we go on these uh, traveling trips as well. Um, when we got back from our mission to Chile, uh, Anne said she wanted to travel, and I said, that's fine with me, anywhere you want to go, uh, but let's make a deal that we study the language for six months before we go. So when we were going to go to... Um, Italy and start studying Italian and uh, I had been studying some Portuguese to learn that and uh, she said Fawn I'm going crazy you're talking Spanish with me and I'm trying to learn Italian and you're practicing Portuguese as well and my mind just can't handle it all at once would you please drop the Portuguese and start studying the Italian with me so uh, I did and uh, 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 we studied Italian together, and uh, I had had this driving urge to learn Italian while my mom was still alive, and uh, I studied it for close to five years. And then after she passed, within 30 days, we were in Italy doing our genealogy, meeting with the priests, and they gave us access to their parishes, to their genealogical records, in some cases, if they had to leave, they'd say, here are the keys. Go ahead and take the pictures of whatever is needed to create the digital copies and preserve the records. Just lock it up at the end of the evening when you leave. And they were so gracious. They were so kind to us. Um, uh, so that's the experience we had in Italy because of studying Italian. Um, and then we were going to go to Portugal, so I had to pick up the Portuguese again and work on that a little bit and bring it back. And um, uh, So... I've got Italian down fair, Spanish, some things I'd rather say in Spanish than in English, uh, and uh, Portuguese is pretty rough now, 
but I could bring it back. Uh, I, I say I've learned my Spanish four or five times during my life, and each time it just gets deeper and more conversational and more natural. So those are two of my big hobbies. Remote planes is another one that I want to pick up more with my grandchildren, um, and I've done some of that. I crashed one once, and uh, <laughs> we haven't gotten back to that uh, very frequently. Uh, so, uh, but I'll get back to it, and I want to get back to fastening gemstones. Uh, that's it's a great little hobby, but it takes a little time. So, in terms of travel, are there certain? It sounds like this trip to Italy was uh, particularly special as it relates to family history. Are there any other places in the world that stand out in your memory as as favorite spots? We had a fabulous trip to uh, Myanmar. We loved the people. It was like going back to the 50s. Um, the culture was different enough that it was fascinating. People were friendly. Um, we saw women who had these uh, brass rings around their necks with about 20 rings on their necks that, you, that you've maybe seen on, in National Geographic or whatnot. And um, my uh, major at Stanford was anthropology. And so I got to stand there and talk to this woman and her two daughters who were wearing these rigs on their necks and ask them any question that I wanted. And our guide translated my questions and then translated their answers. Do your husbands like this? What do they like about it? They think it's pretty and attractive. And do you wear it all the time? Do you take it off when you go to sleep? I was able to ask all these fascinating questions and get answers to them. I thought I was in heaven. <laughs> and are there are there certain places that you still haven't visited that you'd really love to go? We talked about going to China. Uh, we were going to go to China uh, uh, before COVID broke out. Uh, and we may still go back to China. Uh, we'd like to go to Singapore. We've been to Vietnam. We love Vietnam. People were so friendly and nice and the food was wonderful. Um, uh, we would go back there in a nanosecond. Um, let's see where else. Uh, we're going to go to Cambodia and Laos in about a year or so. We're going to go to Germany uh, this next year. This year. It's already here. <laughs> Happy New Year's. Uh, so we'll be going to Germany a little later. Um, uh, there'll be other places. Our, our, uh, our philosophy is do it while you can. Uh, and Anne makes a fabulous photo book after each trip. She usually takes about a thousand photos and she calls through them at night. She's a lot better than I am. She calls through them only, keeps the best ones. And then she comes back and starts putting the book together. Takes her on the average three weeks, but they turn out beautiful. It's a lot of languages to learn as well. So out of, the, out of that list, are there certain languages that you're thinking about trying to pick up before the trips? Once we started going to places like Vietnam, we kind of gave up on the six-month rule. And, uh, but we kept it for Italy and we kept it for Portugal. And uh, so uh, those are the Romance languages. Um, uh, I doubt we'll do it for, for German uh, or for French. But uh, uh, we have good tour guides and that helps us. And we really enjoy traveling. And we take friends with us now and then to go travel as well. 
And have you intersected the interest in gemstones with the interest in travel? Are there different types of stones in different parts of the world and all of that? Oh, yeah. Uh, India, for example, has uh, uh, star rubies uh, and Vietnam does too. And so when we were in India, I picked up some uh, uh, star rubies that were just beautiful and they weren't that expensive for there. And the same in Vietnam. Jade, we picked up some jade in New Zealand, and it's famous for jade. Picked up a piece called Flower Jade. It was, it's fascinating, because in the portion of this jade piece that's still rough and not polished, you look at it, and it looks like it's woven fabric. And so you say to yourself, that's why prehistoric um, uh, humans were making axes out of jade because it was so tough. It wouldn't break, it wouldn't shatter, and they could hit other rocks with it. And uh, uh, there's so much to be learned and so much to enjoy. And most people may not know the term faceting. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and, and how you might go about doing it or learning it? Sure. So the facets are what you see when you look at a diamond or a ruby or an emerald, and you see the angles on the top of the stone. And sometimes when you look in the stone, you'll see the facets or angles underneath as well. If the stone has been well faceted, when the light hits from the top and goes down in, it radiates back out to your eyes. If when you look in the stone, you can look right through it, and it looks like a fisheye, they call it a fisheye, and it's very poorly faceted. Doesn't matter how clean the stone is, doesn't matter um, uh, how good the color is, if it's badly faceted, it's not, it's not a good stone. We were in, um, in Argent northern Argentina, next to Brazil, where they have amethysts, and um, they have topaz, and they have great stones, but we went to some places and 95 out of 100 stones were poorly faceted. And so uh, I spent some hours going through the stones, finding the ones that were very well done and uh, got some for Anne and for some of her friends and whatnot. And uh, I have the machine that is the fasting machine and it's a disc and it's, it's diamond impregnated so that uh, it's a rough cut to cut the facets at those different angles and then after you do all of that then you do a pre-polish um, um, cut with it and then you finally do the polish and uh, so it's a process and uh, uh, there's like a mast that then has a uh, another piece that goes down and you put um, uh, wax on the end of your stone and then on the end of this piece, it then rests against these discs that spin one at a time and you cut or you polish. That's really interesting. And how big's the collection? At the, do you hold on to these stones or do you typically get them and then give them away as gifts or how does that work? Many times I, I get a stone and I bring it back. Sometimes I've had the stone for five, 10, 15 years. Sometimes I've had it and, and I talk to someone and they love red or they love green or they love blue and I, I show them the stone and they just love it. 
then my satisfaction is giving it to them. And uh, I tell them where they can get a setting for it. Uh, I used to do the settings for rings, for earrings, for pendants. Uh, and I'll probably get back into that too. But uh, right now I'm heavily involved in uh, English teaching for uh, foreigners. That's another hobby. <laughs> you want to hear about that one? Sure. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> so um, when we were down in Chile, I concluded that uh, the best thing to help young missionaries was English skills, computer skills, and vocational education. And so we started a perpetual education foundation, and uh, we got computers to them uh, at the institutes so that they could learn uh, um, uh, Adobe and the very Microsoft uh, skills and programs. And we, uh, we decided afterwards when we came home to develop an English teaching program. And I worked closely with a professor at BYU who was an expert. And we developed the program, which then became the church's companionship language study for all of the uh, missionaries, foreign missionaries around the world to study English. And uh, it reached the point where five to six hundred missionaries per month were certifying their skills in English. And, uh, and then the church asked us to prepare one for members to learn English. So we prepared it and it's called Learn English Right Now. And so we have that going right now in the San Jose Mission Boundaries for Chinese speakers and for Spanish speakers. And we've done it for Vietnamese speakers as well. Um, I don't teach the Chinese ones because I can't say this sound is like your sound here in this, in your language. Nor can I do it for the Vietnamese because I don't know Vietnamese. But we get good teachers who do it. And, and that's great satisfaction to see that happen. That's amazing, and I'm sure that it's made just a huge impact in people's lives. So, Vaughn, thank you so much for spending this time together. It sounds like whether people want to share their hobbies with you, uh, you seem to have a great interest in what other people are up to, and it sounds like there's just so many interesting things that, that you've been doing between gemstones and flying remote-controlled planes and languages and travel and uh, language learning. So hopefully uh, the rest of our quorum will reach out to you and, and learn more about that. And maybe we can even organize an activity around one or more of those things to do as a group. I would love to learn about their hobbies and it may become my next hobby since I'm the hobby man. <laughs> that sounds great. Everyone, let's get moving.